0: Hello everyone, welcome to Corporate Chronicles, Between Suits and Cares. I am your host, Emma. Now, at Corporate Chronicles, we explore the realities of the corporate world, we try to uncover the challenges, and more often than not, we try to tell untold stories. So today, we are getting into a sensitive but very crucial topic. And before we proceed, I want to provide a trigger warning. Today's episode contains discussions about sexual harassment, which may be distressing or triggering for some listeners. And I understand the gravity of this topic and recognize its potential to evoke emotional responses. So if you feel uncomfortable or distressed by, A discussion of this nature, I want to encourage you to take care of yourself and consider whether this episode is suitable for you at this time. And for those who choose to stay, our aim is to shed light on an important issue that unfortunately affects very many people at the workplace. And our intention is to raise awareness, to provide support. And advocate for change. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Corporate Chronicles Between Suits and Cares. Today we are back with a very interesting one and um, I am with my best Kanga. I met Kanga, Kanga how many years ago? I think it's two or three. Two or three years ago. And it is a relationship that we have cultivated intentionally. So thank you very yes. much, Kanga, for honoring us, for being here. Who is Kanga? Kanga is my friend, number one. Number two, <laughs> Kanga works for an organization called
1: Brave Movement. Yes. That deal, what does it deal with Kanga? So Brave Movement basically is an organization that works to end childhood sexual violence working, uh, centering it with uh, survivors' voices. Because if we are doing policy interventions and programmatic interventions, survivors' voices need to be at the center stage. So that is what uh, Brave Movement embodies.
0: Ah, okay. I almost told Kanga Karibu Kenya, she has been away for so long, trotting, going around the world, doing
1: things. How has it been? Uh, this year uh, practically has been an year, I think, uh, how we say it, have, it has been a year of ups and downs, but for me, this year has really been an year of ups. Yes, I have moved in different countries, uh, globe-trotted, but it's because of the passion I have uh, with the topic that we are going to discuss. And for me, I always say, for me, it's not work, it's a mission, and when I see girls I see boys I see adults speaking about the topic we are going to discuss it gives me joy that at least our society is embracing this topic which has been like a taboo for the longest time but is ailing and plaguing so many people
0: sadly so you you know Kanga um, and I've said it on this podcast before when before I started this podcast I did a survey because I wasn't very, very sure on what topics people would want to, you know, to listen to. And uh, when I did the survey, it got over a thousand responses. And the biggest percentage wow. came in as sexual harassment in the workplace. Yeah. Now, honestly, I'm not shocked. You are not shocked. But for me, it I was am. such
1: a shock. I
0: don't mm-hmm. know whether I live in denial. or am I live in which world? <laughs> because... I have never, I had never like, I, I always read it on the newspapers or had it or yeah. just had a few
1: things in there, but I re- I never thought that it was such a big thing. I think it's because of the aspect where, as I mentioned earlier, it's a taboo topic. It has its silence. It has its shame. So in as much as so many people have gone through sexual harassment, sexual abuse, because of the stigma and shame it's associated with not so many people speak about it so people are suffering in silence and um, even when some open up it's difficult because one there's lack of information then secondly it's Mm. now you're stigmatized about it because you ask questions around what did you wear why were you going to you the boss at that time? Even with paradigms around uh, women in leadership, you didn't expect it. So you're prone to say, you know what, this happened to me and I'm not going to speak about it. So I'm going to uh, silently battle it. Wait, so wait, many people are going like through had,
0: that. Let me tell you something. When I did the survey, I sat with someone in the HR profession and I because i didn't even know yes. where to start because i don't even know i didn't even know who i can talk who can, who can i approach to talk about this topic and so when i told that person what i had found out they told me this some of these people bring it upon themselves and i was like this is not the conversation i want to have that is not the trajectory i want this to take and then as i was doing yes. my usual rounds on linkedin you know, the funny thing is that we have been friends, but you never really told us about this. So when I saw you give your story, I, you know, I was just crying because I couldn't believe it. And so the reason why Kanga is on our podcast today, Kanga has an interesting story. And I want her to indulge us because there are people who have gone through this sexual harassment but they don't know where to go or what to do. But at the end of it, I want you to know that, I want you to feel seen and to feel heard from someone who has gone through it and is still standing, who has been able to rebuild her self-worth. She is a voice of the victim of sexual harassment. Today, she's on a mission. And that is why she works with the Brave Movement. She's on a mission to amplify this voice. So, Kanga, indulges,
1: when did it happen? What happened? Uh, thank you, Emma, for the introduction. I think, even uh, just to start uh, this off, is to say that it took me a while to speak about uh, my experiences because I was plagued with stigma, I was plagued with shame. And also lack of awareness. So at the age of, so many people know that by the age of 10, one of my uncles abused me. But even when I look in hindsight, it didn't start there. I had seen signs around uh, a neighbor of mine who I think I was six six and even at seven years who was in high school. I was in, I think, primary. And uh, the person uh, basically took me to their room. And had already removed his and was about to undress me. But his sister walked on in on us. And that's how I left the room. So I left the room shocked because I had never seen a huge like that before. So I was shocked. And I was wondering what was going on. What would have happened? So I shelved that. Didn't mention it to anyone. Continued on with my life as a kid. Uh, Then at the age of 10, my uncle abused me. And with that, there was, at first I was confused what really happened because I remember even him smiling and him saying, don't tell your mom. And I think for me, what really didn't even, what made me not even speak to my mom was I didn't know what literally had happened. I felt he had, uh, he had abused my body, but now my self-worth. I was looking around like what will happen to me that I will be known as the girl who was abused. So I quickly went into, I think, action mode to try and erase that part of my life. And I pushed in for my parents to take me to boarding school, even looked around for boarding schools. I'm 10 and I am pushing for my mom to take me to boarding school. And my mom is wondering, why do you want to go to boarding school? I'm telling her because my friends have gone to boarding school, and I'll be left here alone. And my mom takes me to boarding school, and even in boarding school, I'm still plagued with this thing that happened in my life. So I don't want basically to go to boarding school, but I felt I feel like it's safe. Like my uncle will not get access to me again because anyway I'll be closed in two or three weeks at most, and I'll be back in school. So that's okay. Uh, then in school I find other girls who've gone through the same so we have this sense of sharing and we I can see what is going on but I don't have the courage to speak out about my experience so I look at what is going on and I'm wondering okay so how do I deal with this but I shun it. I'm like you know what I can't deal with this then Eventually, even through my high school, another cousin of mine starts the abuse and I shun it because I'm like, this has happened to me once, it's happening again. And I'm wondering, God, what is going on? But I still shun it because remember the shame, the stigma, I do not want to be called that girl who was abused. So I finished my high school, I joined campus, campus things are going well, then I get now advances from lecturers. And this cycle is repeating itself. I'm like, God, like I've gone through this. Why am I also experiencing this in my university? And luckily I, like even with the sexual harassment, I wasn't able to, I didn't give in. So the abuse didn't happen, but the harassment, constant harassment was really bad. I had to change supervisors. And even when I was speaking to some of my friends, some of the yes, this is also happening to me, courage. I didn't speak about it. So I let it just, I just shunned it down. Uh, started working and uh, even uh, in the corridors of justice, you meet different people I started forming like when I would hear about cases around sexual harassment I would be so intrigued by them because I knew what had happened to me so I would literally follow them up and even let me just uh, go back to when I was 10 so after I was abused by my uncle and when I joined boarding school I vowed to myself that when I grew up I was going to be in a career where I was going to fight for the rights of girls and I started researching and I bumped into lawyers and I was like this so how you are told in your childhood years that you're going to change your careers at age 10 I marked that I was going to be a lawyer and I didn't change it and that's how I got myself into my degree in law with a specific focus on fighting sexual harassment fighting for the rights of the girls because I had gone through this and also for their education because I felt like if you're not educated, chances of you facing this would actually make you susceptible to the harassment. So it was more around go to school, get educated and also learning to say no. And for the ones who had been abused, I was going to be at the other front putting the perpetrators accountable making them see that what they did was wrong and they need to be held accountable so that has been my journey uh i think i shared uh, with the stigmatization and also with the shame it's only when i turned 30 that i reached out to my parents and i was like hey you remember when i was 10 and i was saying i want to go to boarding This was why, and my parents were really heartbroken. And I even, this is why I pose and I say, I don't blame my parents. I'm not angry at my parents because my parents did what they could have done to protect me. It's just that I didn't feel like I wanted to share it then. I didn't feel like I would handle what the society would call me. And I was like, I don't want even my parents to go through that. And even when we were having these discussions, there was a lot of conversations and, of course, healing also in the process. It's when I hit 30 that now my healing journey started. So speaking with my parents first, then speaking with different counselors so that they would also look into how the impact of that abuse had affected me and also my self-worth, my self-esteem, showing up even in workspaces, showing up even in my relationships. Uh, because for me, I didn't date until when I was in a campus. Because for me, when I looked at men or boys, I saw monsters. And it's because I didn't deal with what had happened to me i suppressed it so i was like the other gender they are just ah monsters so let's not engage so it's until now um in campus where you meet now different people and you're like okay let's see where this is going to go yeah so that has been my story then even working in the because i work in the development space uh fighting for the rights of children, for the rights of women, for the economic empowerment. And even in this space, not so many of my friends knew about my story because I was like, I, I still need to deal with this so that even when I stand and I share my story, I will not, of course, there are moments where you break down, but you're able to articulate what you, what you, what are you advocating for. So I hadn't found uh, my advocacy voice. So even as I shared on LinkedIn, I still share bits and pieces of my story because right now I feel I'm in a space where I'm really, I have found my voice. I have gone through the phases of healing and now I feel like I'm right now in the space of where I can say, you know what? This happened to me and I'm now ready to speak about it because I know so many children whether boys, whether girls, I have gone through the same and we have literally adults right now who have gone through the same. It's just that stigma and shame is still plaguing our society that they haven't really come out to say this is what happened. So wow. Kanga, that would be my story. I can actually
0: hear um, your voice speaking and it is it is okay. It is okay to have a shaky voice. Um, I I don't know. Uh I, I it's very it's it's very very sad but it makes me happy that you have started or you have you are in your healing phase now. But it took you 30 years. You know, 30, 30 it took you so long for you to speak up at 30 years now. How did that affect you as a girl, as a lady? And we I hadn't said that Kanga is a lawyer, so she has also been in the corridors of justice as she has said. How did that affect you? How did that affect the type of cases that you said I'm going to, this is what I'm going to deal with?
1: Yes, I think uh for me, like even when I went into my law degree. It was a, with a specific focus. So I found I was pulled more towards cases around sexual harassment, whether it's in kids, whether it's in uh, intimate uh, partner violence, like I was drawn to that. And I remember even my friends would ask me, why do you love this uh, sad stories? Why are you always in, involved in these stories? And I would say, no, 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 no. It's because I'm fighting for the rights of uh, children, because I'm fighting for the rights of women. And they wouldn't understand. I remember even, (laughs) there are moments even in my (laughs) humanitarian uh, days, uh, I would literally go to centers, rescue shelters, 9 p.m., 10 p.m., just to give a sense of comfort to a lady or to a child. And not so many people understood Some of them felt it was, I was really enjoying my work. But deep down, it was because I had gone through this and I knew the kind of support that I needed. But because I didn't speak up, I didn't get to experience that. So I was simply standing in the gap for this person to give them the proper information so that their healing journey can start now. And even when I look at Support services during my time. Honestly, I didn't know about the support services, but now I know the support services, and I'm like, you know what? These were the support services I needed. Psychosocial support. I needed um ways of reporting the culprits, because even as we speak around uh, access to justice for survivors, there's one aspect that we look uh in our laws that is evidence. So, if I haven't gone to the hospital and get checked and get samples, then it is as good as it didn't uh, happen as a done deal. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, it didn't happen because there's evidence. So, I was like, you know what? I am going to stand in the gap so that the perpetrators are found culpable and they are, there's accountability there, then giving the survivors the support that they need. Because I know from my the gaps that were there and mm. it's just leading them to fill these gaps.
0: So how the experience um affected your career trajectory is that it made you want to stand in the
1: gap for people who have gone through the same. Exactly. So in as much as I didn't even speak out for 20 years, so even in my advocacy, I still was very keen on fighting for the voices of survivors despite not even talking about it because I saw that and I needed to feel it whether I spoke about my experience or didn't speak about it
0: yeah and and now coming from your childhood I know that of course dented something it did something to you but as I say again that I am extremely happy that you are on the path of healing, because I don't know, I, I I feel like it's a continuous process. But what I want to you to bring up now in the workplace, there's a lot. Apparently, there's a lot of sexual harassment in the last episode. We were talking to HR practitioner who is also working around the whole of this um, sexual harassment thing. But when it comes to the workplace, someone who has gone through that or who is going through that, what is what would you tell them? What is the process of what is the process of it all?
1: You do you do I look for a counselor? Do I speak up? What do I do? I think I thank you Emma for that. That is really crucial. I think first and foremost, it even starts from your onboarding process. Like sexual harassment in the workplace is really adamant. Like it is, I think the number one challenge in most uh workplaces and we even have like an convention around looking at workplace sexual harassment so i think even my advice would be from the in like if you're i'm giving a scenario whether you're just getting into a job first and foremost is to among the documents that you sign the contracts uh the medical insurance ask for the hr policy and what does it talk about uh sexual harassment. Uh, do they also have like a gender policy? Because right now we have lots of gender policies that speak around uh, sexual harassment. And why I'm really specific on these policies is to look at what do they say, Because there are some policies which are really good, which uh, give you the process. Like you report the person, uh, that the organization uh, is able to give you uh, psychosocial support, or the organization is going to investigate what has happened. There are instances where even the organization will work together with the police to investigate the report that you have given. Now, for the ones uh, who are currently right now in jobs, I would say stay uh, first and foremost, look at your policies. What do they say about uh, sexual harassment? because then also follow the script uh, on what the policies say. But even as I'm talking about the policies, there are also so many organizations that lack these policies. And there's a disconnect with what is currently happening and what is there on the pieces of paper. Because there's also the power dynamics. What if it's my boss who's harassing me? And at the end of the day, I need to feel a performance Uh, review with the boss. I always say it is important to speak out. And this is why I even call the HR practitioners. Confidentiality is really, really, really crucial for survivors and to believe survivors.
0: First of all, I'm very excited or happy that you have been able to commence or you're still going on in your healing journey. Now, coming to the workplace where these things are actually happening, what would you tell someone from a legal perspective, from someone who has gone through it, from your advocacy work? What would you tell someone who is going through it? Where where do they start? Because I feel like it's some sort of internal struggle and people would not know where to start if the story that you've given us is something to go by because like speaking up is, is is a process, speaking up, you feel ashamed, you feel trapped, what would you tell that person who is listening to you
1: now? Thank you, Emma. Yes, as you mentioned, speaking up is a huge issue. Speak it out, speak it out, speak it out until somebody hears you. What I always say is sexual harassment, especially in the work workspace, is rampant. And even when you look at our Employment Act, it has mandated that all employers should have a sexual uh, harassment policy. This policy should stipulate in case of sexual harassment, what needs to be done. And even as I had mentioned earlier, as we are speaking around evidence, unfortunately for our laws and even for our courts, our justice system, it is based on evidence. So even as you're speaking out, it's also important to note that as you're speaking out, there will be the aspect of evidence. And sexual harassment is just not verbally. They can also be written materials. So it's important to keep the written materials. And I always say, if you sense even with, like even a tiny feeling that you are not safe or somebody is going to sexually harass you, be on the lookout. Have, even if it is a gadget, even if it is somebody who can corroborate your story, because unfortunately, most of the cases go to court. And because of lack of evidence, the cases are thrown out. I know it is a burden, but unfortunately, that is the law that we have now. We operate on evidence. Now, having said that, there even when you look at the campaigns that have been coming out around Me Too, we have instances where in workplaces we have one person who's making the advances. If you might not have the evidence, it's important to also speak with your other colleagues what has been happening. Have they experienced the same so that you can also start creating an advocacy plan around sharing your stories? Because I always say, if you do not come out and share it, and I know it is hard, extremely hard to talk about sexual harassment or even sexual abuse. It is extremely hard uh, because of the connotations that we have with it. It's important, even if it is you're going to speak to somebody who's going to advocate on your behalf, let it be known. Then my third point is now on the implementers. These are the HR people. If somebody comes to you with an allegation of sexual harassment, it is not the time to start asking, what were you wearing? Are you you sure they harassed you? Yeah. What, What, What were you wearing?
0: You knew
1: times. Uh, um, yes. You but what were you expecting? You are meeting him at what time of the night? Just because I am meeting you at what time of the night, even what time of the day, does not mean that I am giving you my body. It is important for people and the society to be sensitized on consent because consent is really crucial for even in the relationships. It's not just even in the workplace, even in our relationships, consent should really be something that we are sensitizing people on. So I would look uh, on the sensitization. Then lastly is the enforcement of the sexual harassment policies, or at times we call them gender policies. It's one thing to have a nice document, then another thing to enforce it. And by enforcing it is implementing it. Because we have so many people who are going through sexual harassment, their policies are good, but now the enforcing mechanism is the one which is lacking. So as you create a policy, who is the person they are going to report to? then it also need to be clearly indicated what are the process, what is that process going to look like so that from the onset you are very clear this is what needs to happen. And also as we do normally uh refresher courses around not refresher courses, we do uh, refresher workshops around the policies of the organization, ensure you also do the refresher courses of the gender policies. And I would advise, even if it is annually, you might think it is a hard uh, job. You might think it is too much, but it is important so that when somebody is held accountable, they don't say they did not know. It is well out there, everyone, from the intern to even the messenger, to even the the CEO. Yes, everyone needs to be of that workshop so that they are well and conversant with what is happening, with what the policies, what the procedures look like. Also, Because, unfortunately, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's lack of information. There's lack of information. Organizations have those policies, but their employees don't know the policies. All right. Also, nowadays it's not only
0: for the ladies, it's also for the gents. And as you we were talking with Kate last week, she said that this is one of the emerging issues, the main issue. Now, Kanga, um, I'd want you to tell us how did how have you coped with the aftermath of these experiences? How did you find your voice? How did you take back your
1: story after going through such a thing? Uh, Emma, even before I jump into that, I think I would want to even that's why when we call about gender, mm. gender is it is not women alone because most mm. of the time it is when you talk about gender matters it is women. We have lots of research which has been done around sexual harassment even for men, for mm. boys, for girls, for women. The sexual harassment is for all genders. Yeah, and even I normally get sad when we have instances of sexual harassment whether it's for a man or for um. A girl, a lady, or a boy and a girl, and there is there seems to be this war between men and women. It is that ought not to what needs to be happening. It should be against the sexual abuse, not war between genders, because that's where we lose it. Now, moving on to your question, it's, I think, for me, when now I started my healing journey and I knew that. I am drawn to the cases of this caliber. So I need to heal fast. And even as I say, I need to heal fast. Healing is not a destination. It's a journey. There are days where I am good. There are days where I'm, I'm down. There are days where I need just to go and configure myself. And I recognize that that is part of healing. That has really helped me even uh, to share my story, to be brave and actually come out in the public and say, this is what has happened. I remember there have been instances where I have been called damaged goods and that would really affect me.
0: (gasps) But right now
1: I stand up and whatever you say to my face, it doesn't really affect me because at the end of the day, it is not what you say to me. It is my Look out. It is my own look within. What do I feel about myself? Because unfortunately, human beings will always be human beings. They might want to project what is going on in their lives. They might want to say things that are hurtful to you. But how am I taking them? Am I taking them and planting those seeds in my life and bringing the insecurity in me? Or am I going to take them and say, you know what, that is your opinion, you're entitled to it, but it does not define me because what happened to me does not define me. Then the other thing is I would even speak around self-worth, around acknowledging, yes, it happened to you. You need to also get to the aspect of acceptance. It happened to me, but it does not define me. And now work towards moving what do you want to do with your life you might want to say you know what I am going to use this as a piece of advocacy for me which is what now I am currently doing because I wouldn't want to have anyone even my worst enemy go through this because this is trauma and baggage that you keep on carrying over and over and that's why I'm saying healing is really crucial and we need to mon- uh, normalize psychosocial help. going to therapy does not mean you're not uh you're mentally disturbed it's just to go and speak to somebody and say hey this is what i'm thinking this is what i am feeling and for me it is very therapeutic so i think for me it's with this experience i've been able to get to the acceptance stage and actually say I am going to use my experience as an advocacy too to ensure that no child, to ensure that no uh, man, no woman would have to go through this because I know the harm and the effects that it can impact on your life.
0: Wow, Kanga, this is this is quite heavy. And to our listeners, if you hear our voices shaking, it's because it's it's quite heavy. It's quite heavy, and especially when you're talking with a friend or someone you know very closely you know just even trying to find the courage and trying to find themselves to speak up it's quite something so Kanga is Kanga says it happened to you Mm -hmm. but it does not define you if it has happened to you does not mean it defines you and Kanga I think we have come to the end of, of our recording today of our podcast today so Kanga says, If it has happened to you, it does not define you. And she tells us about normalizing psychosocial support. Therapy does not mean that you are weak. Speak up, seek help. And she says, the, the number of times she has said, speak up, uh, are not countable. I can't even count them. But Kanga, I want to thank you very much for finding your voice and even carrying people and carrying us with you in your healing journey as you take back your story and rebuild the person that you were born to be maybe you can give us your
1: comments as we end this um, podcast today thank you thank you emma and even as this topic is heavy i wouldn't want us to live with the heaviness I always say there's light at the end of the tunnel, sexual abuse is preventable. It is preventable. Unfortunately, we have weaponized sexual abuse because we utilize the shame and the stigma that the survivor will have so that they will not be able to speak up. Even as you look, even whether it's in the office, whether it's in our politics, lots of sexual abuse is used for intimidation, but that doesn't need to happen because sexual abuse is preventable. Then, as I mentioned, there's light at the end of the tunnel. There are so many people who are survivors, some are allies who are working in this space who are have seen this um, issue of sexual abuse and are working tirelessly to ensure that no child, no woman, no man will go through this. We have rest shelters. We have uh, hotline numbers that we can call if uh, somebody has gone uh, through the sexual abuse and in case you want to report also oh, right can now there's you a... give us
0: the, the you can give us the numbers we will link them down down on the
1: description box okay so we have yeah. like 11 11 mm-hmm.
0: no you will text them you you will text me then yes. I will put them nicely there yes
1: okay yeah. so yeah yeah I will text you uh the numbers so we have uh The hotline numbers that you can call. I know the other aspect uh, when uh, we talk around uh, sexual abuse is the issue around the duty bearers, especially the police officers. There's lots of advocacy being done around police training court training and also judiciary officers to know the kind of language that you're speaking with survivors and also psychosocial support in issues where we have uh, psychosocial support that needs to be given to the survivors. Then what, what is the language that you're communicating with them, your body language to them, in ca- uh, to also inquire from the survivor uh, if they want to be served by a man or a woman. So these are all things that are currently happening. So lots and lots of things are happening on the on the background. Then lastly, it's about now sensitization of the uh, community. Sexual abuse, I say it's a pandemic. It's just because people are plagued with stigma. People are plagued with shame. But even in my coming out and speaking about this issue, I have found even close friends who say, you know what? This happened to me when I was young and I have never spoken about it. Now that you have shared and spoken about it, I feel comfortable to tell you. So I am holding the stories. I know I might share as Kanga, but I am holding so many stories of survivors, whether disclosed or undisclosed, who this has happened to them. So it's important we keep on speaking out and Kanga alone cannot do it. Emma alone cannot do it. All the organizations that are doing great work, including the ones who are working in Kenya, we cannot do our own. We need, that is from the government, the civil society, the community itself, the survivors, everyone should be on board. Religious leaders, cultural leaders, all of them needs to be on board because sexual abuse is preventable. And that is the message we need to take from this podcast. It is preventable.
0: Sexual sure harassment is preventable. Even in your offices, and yes. the 67% of the respondents who got who gave us back our questionnaire and said that this is a topic we need to talk to talk about. I hope you have picked something. And if you are there and are going through it or you have gone through it. I want you to know that you're feeling what you're feeling right now is completely valid. And going through such um, a traumatic experience can be overwhelming and deeply painful. You're not alone and it's not your fault. So as corporate chronicles, we are here as your friends and as people who care about your well-being. So it's important to remember that seeking help and support is crucial. You deserve to heal and you deserve to feel safe again. And don't hesitate to reach out to us. Um, um Kanga is going to give us um a list of the numbers, the hotlines, or where you can seek support because she's in this space. She will, she, she knows, she knows a few things. So please don't hesitate to reach out. You are strong. You will get through this. Your courage in facing this is so is so much admirable. And there are people who want to support you in every step of the way. So feel seen and feel hard. Kanga, we really, truly appreciate you. And I, as Emma, really, truly, truly, truly appreciate you for coming on to educate people because this is more of education than anything else. And I wish you well, even as you are serving your mission at the Brave Movement May you serve with, you know, the dedication that I have seen you um in in your element. So I'm wishing you well and thank you very much. And I'm sure uh, some of our people will say, "Hey, can we have Kanga again? Really want to come back to
1: us, Kanga." Definitely, definitely. Even as I share my hotline, the hotline numbers. Hmm. If you want, if anyone wants to reach out, uh, my profiles are always public. Reach out. Uh, We can speak, I can link you to several counselors and help you walk you the journey. So we're going to
0: also um, leave her uh, social media handles. All right, thank you guys. We've come to the end of this uh, episode and we want you to follow us on our social media handles on LinkedIn, on TikTok, on Instagram and from wherever you listen. Your podcasts from on Spotify, on AfriPods, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Pods, on Castbox. Thank you very much. We see you next time. Kanga. Hello, darling